Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today we are back in the Pixar universe. I'm joined by Pixar animation correspondent Joe Morgan. Joe, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, Josh? Good. We're going to talk about Monsters, Inc. and Monsters University. Joe's been joining me throughout the crisis, too, as I revisit uh, Pixar Universe and try and become a Pixar completist. Uh, We did Brave and The Good Dinosaur at the start. We took a little unfortunate detour to talk about uh, Scoob a couple months ago, (laughs) which was uh, really let 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 me down. I had very high hopes, but it was just a real pleasure to jump back into two good movies. I had seen Monsters, Inc. before, but it had been a very long time. I had never seen Monsters University, so I thought, all right, one step more to becoming a completist, but I revisited Monsters, Inc. as well. Uh, Monsters, Inc., which I didn't realize, Joe, was the fourth ever Pixar movie. Uh, Yeah. I didn't realize it was, like, that, like, that early in, like, the, just the filmography of the whole entire operation. It was after the first two Toy Stories and A Bug's Life. It came out in 2001, directed by Pete Docter, written by Andrew Stanton and Dan Gerson, and, um, John Goodman and Billy Crystal voicing our two main characters, uh, Soli and Mike Wazowski, who uh, live in the city of Monstropolis. They work for a company known as Monsters, Inc., which uh, has doors that open up into the human world where they scare little kids at night, and they harvest their screams for energy because that is how the monster world runs. Uh, And as far as they know, little kids are totally toxic and can just kill them and turn them into dust. And all of a sudden, just by happenstance, a, a little kid gets into the uh, gets into Monsters Inc. and uh, comes into contact with Soli, who uh, has to learn how to deal with her and comes to actually become close to her and has to go on an adventure of trying to save her. And that is and that's largely this movie. Uh, Joe, this movie is pretty delightful, and it was a really nice uh, escape because we're uh, at, before we started recording, we talked about how awful everything in the world is right now for twenty minutes, and. Uh, what do you like about this movie? Because I, I, I'm guessing you've obviously seen it multiple times before, but uh, watching it now at this point in time and jumping back into this world, what do you like so much about it? Because before we started recording, you said, I really love this world. And I think it is a fairly distinct world from a lot of what, what everything else we get in the Pixar universe. Yeah, so the first thing about Monsters, Inc., it is the debut film of my favorite director, Pete Docter. Um, I love Pete Docter. I didn't know he was your favorite. Um, I, mean, I figured that'd be asking you to pick your favorite <laughs> child to ask if you pick your favorite Pixar director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love Pete Docter, and I really love this movie. Um, I really think this is like a triumph of world building. Like, you, like when you first, like the first time I saw this movie, I was like 10 years old, so it's just like, you know, watching this and enjoying the movie. And then, like, now when you look at it, it's just such a feat of the way, like, they create the whole concept of the scare floor and the harvesting the screens for energy. I just, I really loved the specificity of Monstropolis. And, like, it was just really cool to spend time in that world again and really kind of appreciate, like, fully appreciate it as an adult. But I guess for this movie, um, I, if you had to, like, look at, movies in your life that you've probably watched the most like this is definitely like top five for me like this is probably one of the first dvds my family ever owned so i've seen this movie a bunch of times yeah yeah you know i think uh i again i really found it to be very delightful it's uh it it, it kind of I mean there's just something that makes you feel warm and fuzzy by watching like just an ogre like looking character like solely have a heart of gold and be just completely charmed by a child that's just going to put a smile on your face regardless throughout the whole movie but at the same time I think it's just a movie that has a really like uh, just a really effective 
story and it's not too it's not too convoluted or not too complex but it's not like just it's it's not too 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 bare bones like you actually have to like follow something there's i mean uh, and there's like a whole side of this with like legit villains and a corporation doing evil things and you're having to follow these characters around that you care about and i think it just it pulls it all off very well from a storytelling perspective while at the same time stopping to have a lot of fun and all that i think it has great villains which I mean, I think can yeah. be a, it can be a hit that can be a hit or miss proposition. I would say, and uh, and Pixar. I mean, Pixar might do that better than uh, a lot of other studios. But I mean, I, I feel like it has two really good villains almost, which is uh, two more than a lot of movies have. Uh, and because there's Randall, who's a rival monster to Soli, who uh, is always in competition with him to be the the best scream accumulator is that the term i don't know best scare at the co- <laughs> best scare at the company yes. who yeah and then but there's also the uh the ceo of monsters inc uh henry waternoose the third voiced by james coburn I should say randall's voiced by steve buscemi and i think he's like a, i mean he, he kind of comes in in the latter act of the movie but really just turns into like a very uh commandeering dark presence as well and I just think it's like the movie is sufficiently scary and sufficiently dark when those guys come in it, but it's like it doesn't stop being a kids' movie at the same time. And I just think it it's just really effective overall and just how it balances all of that. Oh, absolutely! Like it's definitely like one of their funniest movies, like one of the funniest movies Pixar's ever done, and they really have to balance that with like the scare elements of it. Like I like <laughs> about to sound like a real nerd here. I've actually watched the director's commentary on this movie a couple of times as well. Interesting, and that whole that whole bubbly opening sequence with the doors, which is just this gorgeous 2d animation while you have the jazzy intro mm. that was actually added to the start of the movie because that opening bedroom sequence, they thought was just like a little too scary of a note to start oh. <laughs> a movie aimed at families out on. So I always think that's a fun bit of trivia and stuff. And then they obviously revisit that sort of, title sequence for the um the prequel i do think that opening scene is really really effective though and i mean it feels like it's kind of like it's kind of like the which is i think pretty impressive that like just knowing now because i don't think i even realized it as i was watching it even though i guess i knew it was a 2001 movie i just didn't do the math in my head as to what other pixar movies came before it but at that point it's a it's still a relatively young company obviously pretty successful with the toy story movies and and but i mean if it seems like a bit of a risk too to like start off like essentially being like all right guys sure you can direct a horror movie scene why not which yeah. I, I, I i'm like oh, i'm impressed that they even wanted to go there you know um yeah. do you think this movie is i feel I, the one thing i was going to ask you before we started recording was like i feel like we've talked about some other kind of animated movie where even if it wasn't their intention i tried to like make some argument that it might have had like an anti-capitalist message i don't know if that's something we talked about yeah. or maybe it was another movie i don't know but do you think this movie has like any larger message is trying to get across about just corporations in general. Is that something you've thought about as you have watched it, as you've grown older and more aware of such things, as opposed to just being a 10 year old that watched it? I guess there's just a sense that like, um, that's a good question. I guess there's just a sense of there's really this challenging of like the way things are always done, you know, and, in, in the sense of like a company ethos, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, very much there, like the big thing that motivates, uh, Henry J. Waternoose is like, the old ways are dying. Like there's a scream shortage and like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like we keep having to, uh, just there, keep throwing things at the same thing that, um, is a scare thing. And then, um, it really is a commentary on fossil fuels when you think about it, because, uh, you have James, uh, Sullivan, uh, who is about to set the all time scare record. And then when he actually meets and has to care for a human child, he 
begins to see like the ramifications of what their energy source is, you know, if, for example, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, later at the demonstration when he has to show off his scare technique and he sees how frightened boo is after they've grown so close together, he's like, Oh my gosh, this is how this is my bread and butter. This is what I do. And I've completely horrified this young creature who I've grown very close with. And, you know, I mean, it's akin to like, I mean, it's like a very soft family friendly version of an oil spill in a way, you know, it's like, Oh, well like oils the way we've always done things for energy. And then, like then you see all these ocean life covered in oil and like displaced from their homes and stuff. Yeah, that was a uh, whole not th- to get too deep. With no, no. I mean that's a whole thing I did on the Aquaman podcast. Where like I mean a lot of people thought Aquaman uh, was good, yeah. like kind of by DC movie standards. Sure, it kind of was, but I thought it was like a huge missed opportunity to like actually become like about uh, about something about uh about climate change and like the way that something like black panther is about uplifting marginalized communities or something like that it's like they just had a chance to be something mm-hmm. else and it didn't really seem to have an interest in doing it where there I, I think it was right there for the taking with the way that uh those people uh just interacted with everything that was under sea level and here i, I hadn't even quite thought of it like you did like that but i actually really like that thought and i don't want to just i don't want to uh uh, generalize or uh, read too much into what whatever Pete Doctor is doing when he conce- first conceived of the story and put too much on him. But at the same time, like I couldn't help but thinking about that as I was watching this, I, and I was just thinking about it more of like just corporations in general and how they can I mean take over. I mean, this is more of a world as opposed to a town. But at the same time, like it's clear that Monsters Inc. means something in that world, and it all the people look at it one way and because it does so much for that community and it provides so much for them and everyone seems to have generally positive attitudes towards it and there's probably tons of corporations like that around here that where you don't you really wouldn't feel that comfortable if you actually learned what the people at the top were like and oh, I, that's something yeah. i couldn't really help but think about as i watched just because like, i think i i like i had watched it before but i didn't remember like what water noose was as a character until and, and so i thought oh maybe he's gonna be like this nice grandpa fellow like i actually had a second where i thought that until you actually see what he's really like so i was just thinking about that it's like man like you and i whenever we talk about these animated movies as a people that are like closer to 30 years old than we are to 20 years old uh we're, we're always talking about oh what can the adults get out of this even if we can enjoy a lot of the things that the kids would get out of this and i i just found myself thinking about that a lot as i watched monsters inc even more so than monsters university though i do have my own thoughts on like other things that monsters university could have done with its larger message i just thought that monsters inc was just like wow like this is something where it's like it's perfectly enjoyable for all the kids but at the same time an older demographic can be learning about the dangers of corporations which i respected so um did do you, do you have yeah the, oh sorry go ahead oh and to add one more thing yeah. to like uh drawing parallels to like real life you know like we tend to have this at least uh maybe not so much now with a progressive movement growing but like you look at like how our culture really kind of lionizes like these super successful rich people, you know, like you have your Bill Gates, your Elon Musk's people like that. And like Henry J. Waternoose really is like that big figure. And then I think at one point Mike and Sully are running around the factory with Boo and they're like, um, like this is going to ruin Monsters Inc. This will ruin Waternoose because Waternoose is just such this powerful <laughs> figure. You know? And he's just held in such high esteem. And, you know, they, the movie really, does a good job of unraveling that because he's not even the mastermind behind his own evil scheme. He's like basically outsourced it to Randall, (laughs) you know, and like, it's just, you know, we prop up these guys who are like the faces of these big corporations without even considering like the ethical uh, fallout from 
you know, how they actually behave and conduct themselves. But Definitely. anyway, what, 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 do you, what do you feel yeah. about, what do you, what are your feelings about this voice cast? Cause I was thinking about it and I was, and one thing I never really thought about all that much with Toy Story was probably just how groundbreaking it was to like have famous people voicing those characters. Cause when you look at like mm-hmm. other, like Disney animated movies that are all really well known that came before it, like maybe every now and then there was like one or two people in there that were like pretty well known, but for the most part, like, Oh, like, I mean, maybe Lion King was more the first to do it, but I think Disney world had stars or Toy Story had stars on a whole other level from that but i mean uh at that point it wasn't new at the point that monsters Inc. came out to have to have characters who voiced by like well-known live action actors but at the same time like i think it was it's like inspiring casting to have like john goodman be the lead in a in a yeah. uh, in an animated movie like i mean i guess you yeah maybe you want some kind of big physically imposing presence to voice the big physically imposing character but at the same time you didn't have to go in that direction and john goodman if you in in 2000 and you're like he's going to be the voice lead in an animated movie everyone would have been like what so uh, yeah. w- w- how do you think they uh, how do you think they pulled that off and brought this uh, cast of characters to life? Yeah, it's an incredibly deep cast. I mean, like you look, you have like someone like uh, Frank Oz, like playing Fungus uh, Randall's uh, Randall's Mike Wazowski, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have all these great voices. And like the most famous casting story from this movie is that Pixar originally went out to Billy Crystal for Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. Really? And. I did not yeah, know that. And, uh, and Billy Crystal's like, ah, like, I don't want to do it. And then, of course, like, Toy Story becomes this huge hit. And uh, Billy Crystal, like, was like, oh, like, I regret turning that down. So, of course, like, Mike Wazowski, they came to him with Mike Wazowski, and he really makes that character his own. And, like, in both of these movies, like, just Billy Crystal is asked to do so much, and he really does it. Like, he's, he's incredible yeah. in these, you know. And, um, and, like, John Goodman, too, you know, like, there's so much, um, if you look at Goodman's performance as Sully, like you're required to be like this big, scary, imposing figure, but also to really have that soft touch. And, I know, think what I he, what he does, he, what he does at Monsters University is like more impressive. I would say like he, he, he yeah. my, Sully's pretty much Sully for the entire run of Monsters Inc. And he's a lovable character, but like I, I was almost, I, I had no idea what the plot of Monsters University was. I'd forgotten. I'd even forgotten until right when I started it, that it was a prequel, which I mean, I have my own questions about that in the, in and of itself, but I was like, Oh, like, this is what these characters were at this point in their lives. Like Sully was something completely different and he had to actually play those different notes. But whereas like, uh, I mean, I feel like, uh, as a character, Mike is like all over the place. I don't mean that uh, pejoratively, but he's all over the place and having to do a lot of different things in both movies. Whereas in the, in the, in the first movie, like, uh, or in the first movie, Sully's just kind of one thing. So I, uh, I, I, I really appreciated what, what Billy Crystal did. Uh, I, I'd almost forgot. I'd, I'd actually forgotten it was Billy Crystal myself. Like for some reason, if you just asked me like, who are the main voice actors in Monsters Inc., I would have been like, Oh, Steve Buscemi and John Goodman. And that for some reason, Steve Buscemi yeah. stuck with me and I, maybe I thought he was Mike. And then I watched like, Oh no, he's a villain. But like, I mean, Steve Buscemi is not exactly, uh, the most physically imposing screen presence as a person. Like, I mean, yeah, he's in a way, he's kind of a villain in Fargo. He's kind of a villain on Boardwalk Empire, but I mean, he's like much more sinister here than he's ever is in anything yeah. else. And I think, I think he pulls it off and Randall's freaking scary. I think if I was a kid, I'd be more scared of a Randall than I would be of a Sully. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Randall's whole deal is just like, oh my gosh, like if if that if that ever came out of uh, like the closet of my bedroom, I would just like probably be deceased. Like so, um, yeah, 
You know, another interesting thing I'm looking at now, I don't have a lot else I necessarily need to talk about. Uh, did you have any final thoughts on just, like, you know, how the movie wrapped up? Oh, one, second, one thing I think we should talk about, though, uh, just from a visual standpoint, because, yeah, they created a cool world, but at the same time, there's not a ton of settings, really. They're just running around the building, largely. Maybe it's not the most visually ambitious as some of the movies we've talked about the last few years, but that door sequence at the end is something that's very impressive, I think, for that time, and probably was something that was unlike anything Pixar had done to that point, and I feel like that at least deserves a shout out. Are there any other sequences, style, stylistic choices that you wanted to kind of shout out before we kind of wrap up on this movie and move on to Monsters U? Uh, I will say about this. I think the the big technological achievement on this movie was the hair on Sully. Like they had never really done really? hair at that kind of scale before. So had you I even think thought they, of that? If, I, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think this movie was like a pioneer in terms of like, um, hair simulation and like making it move realistically and stuff like that. And Sully was a big challenge in that regard. So, cause like a lot of the monsters have like sort of the rubbery scaly skin, you know, but he's like the big hairy guy. Yeah. And I guess like one last thing I'd say about this movie is like, I think it's very underrated in the larger Pixar canon, you know, like whenever you look at a list of ranking of Pixar movies, like I feel like monsters Inc. always gets like, uh, shoved to the bottom of the list and stuff. But it just has a ton of heart and it, um, I feel like it's aged well and it's still very funny. Like put that thing back where it came from. Also help me. Like that's just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that whole thing. And if, and if you watch the DVD extras religiously, like I did as a kid, they actually have a company musical written around that whole little bit. And it's just such a ridiculous like bit of like thorough lived in comedy. That's just, I mean, it's just, oh, it's absolutely outrageous. Um, I recommend the deep dive if you like the movie. So no, yeah, I, I would I would kind of agree. It's like I, I I would I'm guilty of that too. Where it's just like I'd almost forgotten about it for a little while, and that's probably part of why I hadn't seen Monsters U. Is like I just kind of forgot. I, I I probably took him for granted a little bit because I really enjoyed it, and I've obviously have a pretty big appreciation for uh, most of these movies. I will say the one other Easter egg in the movie that I thought was interesting was it was it in Boo's room where she was playing with Jesse. Oh yeah, yeah. There's uh, and there's Jesse a Nemo and... doll there, and I didn't realize as I was watching it. That, like I said, that it was, Nemo had already come out at that point. It was like a weird. I'm sure it was in production because they take a while in those movies. But that was like a a funny little thing they just dropped in there, and I kind of like, oh, that's a a funny little nod, you know? Yeah, they always try to put a little Easter egg for their next movie. Um, okay, and I, the... didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, it's it's a fun trade. Like um, if. Um, if you've never like, uh, looked at all the Pixar Easter eggs and stuff, it's like just a super fun thing to do. Like, um, because they try to put like a little hint in each movie cause there's the Nemo toy in the bedroom. And then one thing I noticed for the very first time, and I've seen this movie hundreds of times, um, when they throw Randall through the trailer door at the end, they have like a, a big mouth, the, the talking bass on the wall or whatever is like mounted on the wall through the doorway and it's actually like uh, a clownfish, so it's either Marlin or oh, Nemo. Oh, And I've yeah. never, I've never noticed that before, and I noticed it this time. So I don't. Know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 a fun. It yeah. Another it's just thing, a ton of fun. another yeah. thing I'm seeing now, just another random little casting bit I saw here. Uh, they wanted Bill Murray for Soli. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, I've never it, read that. Before. That's awesome. He screen tested for the role. This is Wikipedia, so you know it's true. He screen tested for the mm-hmm. role and was interested, but when Pete Doctor was unable to make contact with him, he took it as a no. So, oh, I mean, like that. Bill Bill Murray is notorious for just like n- being really hard to reach, 
But, I mean, I mean, Pixar movie is like a big deal. Like, you would want to pick up the phone for that if you could. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess he was just like more, it was more more important to him to just keep being enigmatic Bill Murray and not pick up the phone. Uh, I mean, I actually think yeah. Bill Murray had, had the, has the voice to pull it off, even if he doesn't. John Goodman, from a physical standpoint, that makes more sense almost. I, I, I could see, I, I don't think it would have been any really worse with Bill Murray. But, I mean, I'm perfectly happy with how it turned out myself. So, um, yeah. All due respect to the great Bill Murray, I think John Goodman was the better choice. Maybe not by much, but mm. I, what he brings to it, uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll never know. Actually, yeah. we won't see. We'll I guess I, I, I'm sure you. I'm sure you already knew that before you watched. I'm just now looking at the cast again. I didn't realize John Ratzenberger was the abominable snowman. I was like, I, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I knew it sounded familiar, and I just did, I couldn't place it at the time. But like that was funny. I'm pretty sure that guy doesn't he pop up in uh, Monsters U though? Like at some point is he in he oh he's in the mailroom at the end. Yeah, in the mailroom. But and like, he uh he has the the great joke, uh tampering with the mail is a crime punishable by banishment. <laughs> that he's actually banished. Well but they they, 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 they they didn't seem to recognize him when they showed up in Monsters Inc. And he's just hanging out there. They're like, oh, hey, that guy we knew in the mailroom once. There was just kind of, there wasn't any kind of like real uh, recognition there, but that might have been a retconning decision when they put him in Monsters U, I guess. So I won't hold him to that. Uh, but yeah, that's Monsters Inc. We'll move on to Monsters U. I'm sure we'll be re- referencing it back as we uh, go, go into Monsters. I keep saying Monsters U, but I mean they do put MU on the on the screen, so what's whatever. Yeah. But it's Monsters University, 2013, 12 years between movies. Uh, which I mean, I guess that there's there's now that so I guess there was kind of precedent for that when The Incredibles did it. The Incredibles took even I guess more time between movies, I suppose. Uh, but uh, that came out. Uh, like I said, it came out in 2013, directed by Dan Scanlon, uh, written by Dan Gerson again, and also Dan. Scanlon. Scanlon, Robert Baird. Uh, it's a prequel movie, and it, it focuses on young Mike Wazowski going to Monsters U to become a scarer because he's always decided he wants to do that uh, ever since he was a little kid on a field trip at Monsters, Inc., and he's always aspired to do that, and he gets to school, and he has a little bit of trouble uh, kind of finding his footing because he is much smaller than most other monsters and Sully is also coming to school and he comes from a privileged background he's a silver spoon kind of kid who comes from a very big scaring family that's name means a lot and he thinks he can just walk in like he owns the place and he struggles a lot in school because he doesn't try Mike tries really hard and learns everything and kind of struggles because he's just a little shrimpy eyeball um and fraternity life surprisingly plays a big role in this movie Soli is accepted into roar omega roar which is hilarious uh, hilarious name in and of itself <laughs> and uh just because he's a he's a Sullivan, so uh they're happy to they're happy to take him uh mike isn't so lucky and at the end of the semester uh he Soli struggles and uh, Roar. I'm just going to call them Roar. Roar, Roar kicks yeah. him out and because uh, he doesn't pass his finals, and they kind of flunk Mike, too, because he's just not scary. But then they realize there's a chance they can both get back into the scare school if they win the Greek games, I think is what they're called, or the scare games that are kind of put on throughout the frater- uh put on throughout the college but you have to be part of a actual larger team to do it so they both join a, a lower tier fraternity called uzma kappa to try and uh win the scare games and they have to learn to work together and become friends in order to do that uh first of all joe i guess i i again like i said i i didn't realize up until when i started it that this was a prequel movie how do you what did you think of just the even choice to like pixar have for pixar to do a prequel because that's like a thing that's like 
I guess this is the, really the only time they've ever done it. And uh, I was kind of skeptical. I'm, I'm kind of like out on prequels in general a lot of the times. I'm just like, I don't really want to know. I already know what's going to happen to these characters. It's harder for me to get invested. And I, I, I do have some criticisms of the movie, but I would still say, like, it's really, really effective. Why do, why do you think this movie works when, hell, we already know that these guys are getting so into scaring when we already know that, like, that's not even the by the end of the first movie like scaring's been replaced with laughter like the whole thing they're working towards in this movie is a thing that we already know is isn't going to exist at the later on in their lives like uh knowing that knowing everything we already know about these characters uh why do you think monsters university works yeah so the first funny thing about it was i remember at the time and i'm sure a lot of uh monsters inc fans will know this if they're listening but um and when they decided to make a prequel, it really it called into a question a line from Monsters, Inc., where Mike and Sully are walking to work, and Mike says, Oh, Sully, you've been jealous of my good looks since the fourth grade. And then uh, in this uh. movie, they meet for the first time in college. And so I think Pixar explained it away as saying that you've been jealous of my looks since the fourth grade is a common saying in the monster world. So, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I'll, 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 <laughs> take, I'll take them at their word on that, I guess. Um. I thought it was curious. I thought the prequel decision was curious at the time because I, I didn't really yeah, like. I kind of gem- I generally feel about prequels the way you do as well. Like, if you're gonna tread that ground, it needs to be like really interesting because otherwise, like you know, we kind of know what the deal is gonna be. Um, but you gotta uh, be like you gotta said, be executing it like a Better Call Saul level for me to like accept it. You yeah, know? for sure. And I will say, having seen the movie, I get it now because this setting allowed them to kind of build out the mythos of the world a bit more. And again, like I talk about the last movie, how I love the world of Monstropolis and monsters incorporated and what they do and the way they kind of build it out to where the scares are almost like famous athletes, you know, in a way. And that's a detail of the movie I really appreciated and sort of just, uh, again, like I said this with the first one, but like really the specificity of the world and allowing that to build it out and everything. And, um, and I guess to go straight for the main course, like one of my favorite things about monsters university is generally the theme of it. You know, like we tell children a lot to like dream big and, you know, like you can do whatever you want to do. And then it's not always the case when you get to that point, you know? And so it's kind of, (laughs) finding, you know, what, you know, you may not land where you're supposed to go or where you think you're supposed to we go. We all have that moment where oh. we realize we weren't going to be a professional baseball player. Oh. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> that was my goal. That, that was my goal at one point in life, as I'm guessing it might have been yours. Yes, it was. I was going to be the third baseman for the, the Atlanta Braves. and I was going to uh, be the first baseman for the Phillies. <laughs> yeah. And... Here we are, and neither one of us is working out at stadiums right now, getting ready for this weird shortened season that we're. I'm going to play as many games at first base. I might play as many games at first base for the Phillies this year as Reese Hoskins. So you know. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So who knows? We we may be in the same boat uh, as those guys. But um, yeah, you know, I just I thought it was a very. um, I remember at the time, and actually, uh, gosh, quick quick side note, Josh and I first got to know each other when attending the university of Florida. And, uh, we both worked at the student paper, the alligator shout out the alligator. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wrote a movie review on monsters university for the Avenue, which is the, uh, entertainment section of the alligator. Um, you know, what's crazy. I'm yeah. looking at, I'm looking at it now. The release date is June 5th, 2013, which 
falls in the six week period after I graduated college where I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And you had set me up to illegally work as the assistant sports editor for the alligator, even though I technically wasn't a student at university of Florida. And I had to, uh, I, I, I was two months later when I ended up in law school there, but th- I mean, that, that was what I was doing in life. I think you were an internship, but you would just like, or something that summer, I think you still went to work for MLB.com that summer. And I was just like, I was yeah. the one hanging out at the alligator. I guess you remotely submitted something to the Avenue at, the, at a time right before yeah. I got like kicked out of working for the alligator alligator <laughs> right <laughs> yeah there's some insider inside alligator baseball yes. there for so so, so I, I i was i was in like the thing i was doing jack shit in my life at that point like literally once i yeah. wasn't working for the alligator until i got into law school a few weeks after that like i was i was in the day i was like hosting the sports radio show station i was hosting a show at the sports radio station and then i was just drinking uh-huh. at night i was drinking at night watching the nba playoffs with whoever would drink with me at midtown in gainesville and that <laughs> that was basically my life like i had no excuse not to see monsters university i had nothing going on and i still didn't see it till and i still didn't see it till seven years later <laughs> oh man yeah yeah gosh yeah sorry but, but you wrote a review you, that was where you were before i went off yeah on my yeah tangent. i wrote <laughs> yes i i wrote a review of the movie and i remember at the time just being so um you know when you're in college you're thinking a lot about life and what you're going to do and everything and um yeah i guess that movie just came along at the right time and i was just really moved by uh that theme and that being on display in a kid's movie basically where it's just like um, you know, cause I, I think one of the things that Pixar as a studio does a good job of is they really, they don't talk down to their audience. You know, they very much, uh, respect children and, um, and that's why the movies connect with adults a lot. Cause you just, they, you know, the movies very, speak very frankly to you and they, um, and I think that's a lot of why this movie is successful. And I know when we did the onward podcast, like seven years ago, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I really, uh, applauded Dan Scanlon for, I do think that his movies have very good thematic resonance and, uh, the message feels very, um, organic in them. And, uh, I really do think he did a good job of that here, um, as well as in Onward. So my thing about um, that, so I agree with you and yeah. that I really like the, I really like the theme that they go for, that they want to address here. Like, uh, like realizing that whatever you think your purpose in life is, is actually something else is like a cool, it's cool territory to mine for a kid's movie. And like we were saying earlier, like when we were joking about our prior baseball aspirations, like that is a thing that like a lot of kids can relate to. I mean, at the, maybe the target audience or one of the target audiences to this movie are maybe kids that haven't had that realization yet. So it's an interesting choice to kind of make a movie about that. I don't know if the movie like goes all the way with the sees its premise quite all the way through uh mm-hmm. with respect to mike because i do like that mike has to get confronted with this and it is a very difficult and uh scene and, and i mean that as a compliment when he finds out towards the end that uh Soli has rigged the the games for him and he has oh, to yeah. like kind of come to grips with that but my thing was like i thought like uh and i get i mean these you're not you're not going to make pixar movies two hours like no one wants that you can't expect little kids to sit through it but I would have liked to have seen how like he actually got to where he ended up being because it's in, they end on a nice note where like at the very end of the movie, Soli like comes to this realization that Mike has been the one pulling all the strings the whole time and like oh no you are a true scarer or something like that and he's happy when he when Mike admits all of that to him but like I feel like there's maybe uh, there was room in this movie maybe to talk a little bit about whatever job it is. I, I think they call it a station runner. I saw that in the uh, Wikipedia description. I don't really remember hearing that term in the movies, but whatever his job is in Monsters, Inc., I would have liked to have heard a little bit of a discussion about that. 
And uh, we, I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is a weird quibble or something, but like, it seems like it's something that like really suits his skills well. And not that we saw a lot of him plotting. He's more there kind of pulling the lever and kind of cheering him on and ordering up the new doors. But I would have liked to have seen that, like him maybe discovering that like, hey, there's something out there where like, hey, I might not be the guy that's actually pulling off the scare itself, but I get to use all of this other knowledge to like help him plan his scares and i thought that would have been cool, like him coming to coming to some kind of realization that like hey there's another job out there that actually serves me really well and they don't get to that they're just like oh then they went to the mailroom which i mean i guess i'm jumping right to the end of this movie right when we started talking about it but i thought maybe there would have been a way in with like just in 10 to 15 minutes maybe that could have been like kind of set up or not even that much i don't know i just kind of thought there would have been some kind of way for him to like kind of realize oh that's my future because if you just like if this was the first movie in the series as opposed to the second you would have been like oh he's gonna go on and work his way up through monsters inc to be a scare when that's not actually what he becomes so it is it's kind of about him realizing that like hey maybe this isn't what i'm meant to do like it's really really uh interesting thing like i said for a kid's movie to focus on but as far as where the movie ends it may as well end on him thinking he's still gonna be a scare it's just a different kind of scare or something i don't know I still really like the movie a lot. That's just like one thing I think it maybe could have done differently with its premise, which again, I agree is a very interesting premise. Yeah. That's the element too. Cause like, like when you watch monsters Inc, every scare has a coach, right. you know, or that seems like a real job in that universe. Yeah, exactly. And like, Hey, Disney, here's a free idea. Uh, Monsters Inc. TV series that covers. Wait, Mike and Sully wait, wait the they're, they're, aren't they doing, I'm not even joking. They're doing a, a TV series, aren't they? Yeah, so they're doing a TV series for Disney Plus. Uh, I think it was announced at Monsters at Work, which sounds Monsters like maybe it might focus yeah. on the, that kind of stuff, actually. Yeah. So it's funny. I just complained about that for five minutes, and maybe they already <laughs> found, found their next idea for a series or something. Yeah, who, who knows? I think that was supposed to be out at launch, and it's not out, so that's oh, too bad. Okay. But well, anyway, no, I, absolutely. Because, yeah, that's one thing that I hadn't thought of is that, like, the whole coach element's not even brought in. Because, like, they get kicked out of the scaring school, and, and then suddenly they're in screen can design, which is a really funny scene. Right. But, but uh, I mean, it seems like that should be a track within the university. I mean, right. Yeah. And, like, exactly. It's something that, like, honestly, Mike seems like he was meant to do, given how much how we learn how book smart he truly is in this movie whereas you don't see a ton of that he he seems like a really supportive friend and co-worker of Soli, but you don't really necessarily like see a lot of what he's doing besides just like pulling up the next portal whereas like right. hey maybe there's a side of that job that's like actually really strategic and it would have been cool for him to like kind of navigate through college and kind of figure that out and maybe you could have like I don't know, cut down a little bit on the games, uh, which, I mean, I thought were all really fun for the most part, so maybe that's not the right area to cut from for the movie. But, like, having him, like, kind of, like, I don't know, in the last, like, in in the last 10 minutes, like, learn about that. But, I mean, I guess that would have made it too easy if he, like, uh, just got thrown into something else. But, I mean, uh, I don't know, if he would have just, we would have seen him learning to love some other part of it because he ultimately ends up, I guess, being pretty good at his job. But I don't want to focus on the negative too much. I just thought that was just, it's, it's just interesting. That's, like, very, like you said, it's very clear a job and there are just as many of them as there are scarers apparently so yeah. that's just something that exists that i don't think that position got talked about a lot one thing the first thing i positive thing i want to say about this movie is i think i laughed out loud more at monsters university than i did at monsters inc there's like some uh really funny stuff in this movie and uh i i enjoyed seeing all the stuff for sure about uh solely just like being like 
too big for his britches and all that. But I thought there was like just a lot of really cool throwaway moments too that I noticed even more so than Monsters Inc. I'm sure I would pick up something else if I watched Monsters Inc. Just like you pick new stuff up after watching it for the upteenth time where I'd only seen it once or twice before. This is my first time watching Mon- Monsters University, and there's like a lot of great stuff. There's the there's a Charlie Day character at one point when they've sn- snuck into Monsters Inc. He just like <laughs> yells out at one point, "I don't want to go back to jail," and it's never addressed again. <laughs> like something funny like that, or like when or when when uh, the mom drops them off there and she just like starts listening to headbanger music and stuff yeah. like that. Like it, it finds a lot of time for like really funny stuff that literally made me laugh out loud more so than I did at any point. In monsters inc which again i thought was a great movie and probably even like maybe a little better overall but i thought there was a lot of individual funny moments in this movie plus it like you said it uh it really expanded the world in just an interesting way just to like see a college campus like it has a lot going for it even if i might have had that one larger overall criticism about its plot and theme yeah there's so much going on in the background and i really think it's um one of the benefits of the gap between the movies because like the technology came so far in the 12 years between uh, Monsters mm. Inc. and Monsters University that, like, you're able to do, like, more background gags and stuff. Because, like, I just remember as someone who as someone who works for, like, a CG animated television show, you, like, you look at these crowd scenes where Mike walks through campus and there must be, like, a hundred different monsters, like, on screen and stuff. Mm. And I was just, like, as I was watching that, I was just thinking of, like, the manpower of naturally animating all these different characters and stuff. And like, I was just completely overwhelmed at it. And like, there's just so many background gags in this movie. They're just so funny. And, um, did you, and like one other standout moment is, did you watch through the credits? No, I, so I, I, I meant to go back and watch that. I, cause I, 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 I always read like Wikipedia summaries as like, uh, just to refresh myself before doing a podcast. I was like, Oh shoot, there's a post credit scene. I just missed it. Yeah. So, uh, on the first day of classes, there's the Bill Hader slug, uh, who's voiced by Bill Hader. Um, who's like, Oh no, I'm gonna be late to class. And he starts like running really fast. He starts like efforting really fast, but he's like moving very slowly. And then at the end of the credits, uh, he finally reaches his classroom and it's like, uh, (laughs) summer. On the board, on the board, and someone's like just mopping the classroom. Yeah, they, have, they have jokes on they have jokes on every <laughs> on every level in this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you have to, like you said, you have to do a lot of things to really work as a, as a prequel. And you know, I think it really executes on a lot of those things well because I think like my one criticism of the movie really wasn't about like any kind of storytelling limitation it had by virtue of being a prequel. Like, I really thought it was interesting to start solely from that place based on what we knew about him from monsters inc and i was like totally in i was like oh i could totally see this being a character that would just like you know be think he was better than everyone else like that makes sense if he comes from that kind of family but i'm genuinely curious to see how this ends up being the solely that we know from monsters inc like i thought that was like a a cool thing that really had me invested right from the get-go more so than i am normally invested in prequel stories because like i said i'm normally just kind of annoyed because i already know the outcome of these characters but like and i guess that it may be hell i guess I guess that's maybe part of why Better Call Saul is so interesting because it's like you want to know how this guy ends up being the guy you know in Breaking Bad. But, like, I mean, a lot of times, like, when other things do, like prequels and stuff, like, I, I just don't care that much. I already know who they are as people. But if you have a compelling character arc already going in, then that's something right there. And I thought that was interesting to watch with Sully, just like it is with Mike to, like, see him have to kind of figure out his real purpose. I, again, I don't think they showed him getting all the way to his purpose but like i mean i was just super invested in those characters one one thing i would criticize though is i don't know if we got enough randall in this movie oh yeah 
would have loved more Randall. And like Randall's so he's such a sweet kid at the start of it, you know? Like And I get it, he gets mad when Soli beats him in the scare games, but like that alone shouldn't really be enough to like, you know, I don't think that's enough to like justify him being how heinous he is in the next movie when he's like trying to murder a little kid. I mean, like that there's a big <laughs> leap there. And I thought maybe like given how sweet he is, you maybe could have done a little more to get him to that point. One thing I will, though, give credit to Roar Omega Roar for is, like, those guys might be douchebags, but they can scout, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. like, Randall, like, on the surface, doesn't really look all that impressive, but, like, all of a sudden when at the, at, when Mike's trying to join Uzma, uh, or Mike's trying to get him to come join Uzma Kappa, and he's like, sorry, they, I, I got in with them. It's like, man, how do they even know to offer him, you know, like, or to, yeah. give, to give him a bid or whatever terminology they use in that world. I mean, like, he, because I, as I mentioned when we were talking earlier, like, Randall's fucking terrifying. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I might go edit out. I shouldn't have said the curse word in there, but I'm really, this is a, this is a Pixar yeah. movie, but I was, I'm really scared of Randall. And I'm like, that's really impressive that those douchebags are like, hey, this kid has something, you know? You know, like you talking about Roar, Roar Omega Roar mm-hmm. being great scouters um, brings me back to a thought I had when you were talking about Mike. Like you wanted to see Mike become a coach. I was like, we're going to pitch this to ESPN. We're going to do detail with Mike Wazowski. And basically, <laughs> it's like film of scares, scaring children. And then Mike is like going to break it down like Peyton Manning or uh, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. But yeah, no, um, like that, 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 you should definitely yeah. have that kind of thing. I think he's more than capable of, right. uh, of doing the X's and O's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Billy Crystal can do it. He can record it from home right now. Let's get this thing in production. Let's I go. did. I did dislike the idea. And I mean, I don't, I mean, you saw in Monsters, Inc., you saw them like kind of in training sessions, but I don't think you like really heard it in the same detail. If I remember correctly, it's more just like, oh, are you scary or not? Like Mike, come show them how, or Sully, come show them how to be scary. And he just does a big roar and that's it. And they're just trying to do that kind of thing. I actually kind of like the idea of the way they test them here. And I, I really enjoyed those yeah. scenes where it's like, this is a six-year-old in, uh, in Indonesia or something who uh, has this one kind of personality characteristic. How do you do it? And I actually kind of yeah. enjoyed like their training in that way. I thought that was like a, a fun way to watch them have to learn their craft. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's very, and like, uh, you know, maybe it's because we're both sports fans, but yeah, like the sportsification of scaring, which is just, it's just such a cool element of this, you know, it's like, they talk about like the scarer cards and stuff too. And they talk about having Bob Gunderson's rookie card and <laughs> things like that. Like how there's like the whole file, you know, it's like getting the playbook, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like here's the playbook on this kid here. Like they're scared of lions and thunder and they live in Hawaii and they're this old and stuff. But, uh, yeah. What did you think of the final, uh, the the final sequence where Mike and Soli have to scare their way back into the monster world by activating the door by generating uh, a bunch of adult screams. I mean, it, it's a big accomplishment. It kind of like uh, it, it even impresses the dean who kind of hates them and all of that. But I mean, I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting that like we're learning a little bit more very late in this in these movies. We're now learning like more about the doors, which like are are a very important thing. And, uh, I don't know. I would have almost rather been sitting in on a door design class than a, than a scream canister design class. Uh, but I guess that's kind of the joke of that is they had to put them in the most boring thing possible, but it seemed like they kind of added on to the mythos and the, uh, the, of that world and how it all functioned like pretty late. What did you think of that as like a choice for like a final set piece? Yeah. The, the set piece itself, I thought it was really inspired and cool because, when you're doing a college movie and 
you've centered it on these uh, scare games, like it's probably very tempting just to like make it a sports movie. And like the third act climax is something to do with the games. You know what I mean? And like, uh, you know, I, I obviously cannot think of a single other similar movie at all when I want to pull one out of the air to compare it to, you know, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, just the whole idea of like Mike and Sully being able to team up and show like their potential for being the scare record breakers in the next movie. Like um, I thought was a really cool element too, because that's the kind of legendary thing, you know, you talk about, it's like Jordan's flu game. It's like, remember when um, Wazowski and Sullivan scared their way like <laughs> back into back like past the uh past the cda blockade of the monster world or whatever it's like oh yeah you know but um and then the door design thing was something i thought a lot about too because like these doors that they make have to match like real doors in the human world mm-hmm. and so like just like the, we learned that at the end of monsters inc they need the exact piece right exactly so it's like it's like the research that must go into that. Like the door has to have certain divots and chips in it. Cause like, I remember like when I was a kid, like, like the door to my bedroom had like all these different divots in it because, you know, I was a kid and stuff and I would like slam the door or like, you know, I wasn't careful with doors, you know? So it's like, you have to make a door and it's going to match like the door in the kid's room. I was like beginning to think of the science of that. And I was like, okay, like, you know, what does that entail? And like, now I know why a door would take all semester because you have to make it match or something. So um, yeah, like I, I'd, I'd really think that introducing the college campus and like sort of the whole scream industrial complex, a new term I've just created, um, like, you know, this, this prequel really felt the, made the world feel more lived in and stuff. And it has us asking these questions, you know, like what is a film study of uh scare footage look like and you know like what goes into making a door and all that stuff yeah i'll but. say i'll say that the that that the sequence with the park rangers at the camp and all that like it was intri- it was cool to see like uh i mean mike feel the need to challenge himself but that whole entire sequence and how they got out of it it, it was something that made me kind of like wanting more of that and wanting like mike to just kind of mm-hmm. come to some realization like oh this is something i can use my powers towards and it Again, it just didn't totally address it at the end, but yeah. Again, and, and that that it's just funny because that is kind of like my one criticism. And one thing I was thinking of was that one of my biggest, uh, one of the biggest strengths of Monsters Inc. for me, like I said, was those villains. I thought Randall was very scary, and I, 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 I thought a villain that had those motivations is like very, was pulled off very well. And the same, I, th- I liked how Waternoose came in as a villain at the very end and was very scary and uh, dark as well. But you know, what's interesting about Monsters University is that it doesn't have a villain, really, and I don't think that's a problem. Like, those fraternity guys are kind of douchebags, but they don't do anything that's really all that evil. Like, Soli's the one that cheats. Like, they're just, they're, yeah. they're mean, but they don't really do anything really underhanded to them. They try and embarrass them at that party, and, but that's, that's really it. And that's not, they're not really the villains that are kind of like pushing against our heroes, really, when push comes to shove at the end. And, I think it's kind of cool that like a movie like this that can be as effective as it is without a villain. I would say it's not like totally it's not totally unprecedented for a Pixar movie because I would say like Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, like those aren't really about movies about any one specific villain. That's more just like an adventure movie where they're trying to accomplish something. But um, I think it's cool that like Monsters Inc was so driven by its villains, and that's where so much of the story came from, and they did it very effectively. And here they just were able to tell a totally different story where. It's where the plot is not driven by like a bad guy, and I thought that was kind of cool. They showed they could just do something wholly unique, and uh, and even you know, 
a lot, a lot of prequels and movies and things like that might just even still have a bad guy there to kind of drive the plot forward just to give you something new because oftentimes maybe you're dealing with characters that you already know and you need to come, you need to introduce like another character whose fate is not as known and sometimes that might be done in the form of a villain and they don't really do that here so without like introducing like you know like in better call saul like uh do you watch better call saul yeah, I haven't seen the most recent season. But, okay, um, I, 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 I'm not spoiling anything when I say that. Like, it's really important on that show that like they introduce Kim as a character because like at a certain yeah. point, like you know she's the one who's not in Breaking Bad, and you don't know her fate. So it's kind of important mm-hmm. to like actually have someone like that in there. And they don't really have anyone like that in this movie. Like, a lot of the fraternity brothers are fun, but like they're no one that's like prominently featured enough in this movie that you're really all that worried about their fate. You're more just kind of worried what's going to happen to Sully and Mike. So it's like, it's a prequel that doesn't have a villain. and doesn't introduce a lot of like super important side characters. And like, I've still found myself pretty invested, even if I might've had some critiques of the movie. And I think that's pretty uh, cool that the movie pulled that off. Yeah. And to go back to something you said earlier about how you were more impressed with Goodman's performance as Sully in this movie. Yeah. Like, I think the absence of a villain gives Sully like some of the best moments of the movie. Yeah, he's like, kind of, he kind of is the bad guy for the first half of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like when you, that scene where you, I remember watching it for the first time, that scene, you found out that Sully cheated at the game. It's just so affecting, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh my gosh, like Sully, like did yeah. that? Like, that's terrible. Like <laughs> I can't believe he did that. And like, you know, and you know the character so well and like, he's so lovable in the first one, especially that you're just like, oh my god! Like, I can't believe you did that. Like, that's, I mean, I, I, you know, as far as as far as like the like um, these movies go, like, I think that's like a really bold choice, you know, and like having the absence of that like main antagonist, like you know, works to the benefit there. So, and like like you said, you know, you are really invested in what's going to happen to Mike and Sully, and just when you see Sully do something like that, you're just like, whoa, you know. <laughs> Like, even when I knew it was coming, I'm still just like, I can't believe I'm watching this scene right now. This is kind of crazy. And, like, when they get thrown out of the school and everything, too, it's just, yeah. I mean, they really go for it in terms of the story and what they do with the characters and stuff. So, Do you um, have – do you have – yeah, do you have any other uh, any other final thoughts on it? Any of the other uh, little small throwaway jokes you wanted to highlight or any anything else about the movie you wanted to touch on before we wrapped it up? Um. <laughs> To bring it full circle, the alligator thing, um, I remember the first time watching that movie and Mike throws the student newspapers in the trash can uh, <laughs> was just like poetry. Um, long story short, when Josh and I were at University of Florida, one of the football players ran for student student body president or vice president. I can't remember. Yeah, anymore. It's one of the yeah, well, a walk, walk on football player was the was the second guy on the ticket for vice president. Right. And basically, um, basically the, the Greeks who ran student government at the time, I have no idea what it's like now. I think they were the Unite Uh, Party, but they've been a bunch of different things. Yes. Yes. They, uh, when we ran with the story that Will Muschamp had endorsed this football player for student president, because it was the first time the football coach had ever endorsed a student election candidate, they just dumped a bunch of our newspapers in the trash, basically. They were smart enough to do it right next to the journalism school where, you know, no one who would ever have a reason to report it would ever see it happening. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and it just when Mike throws the newspapers in the trash, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Got, like, got a little triggered there. Believe, yeah, I was just <laughs> like, I couldn't believe I was watching that unfold on screen. Yeah. I was just, it felt, it felt a little too real. So uh, anyway, yeah, just that was uh, to, to bring it full circle with our little alligator detour earlier. I just, that detail in the movie, I just, it 
like I when I was rewatching it again this week, I just yeah, it was, it, it, was it was literally about oh, like a year and a few months after that after the events happened when and when we were in college. So I I, I honestly I, I honestly didn't even think about that for a second until until you mentioned <laughs> it. So that's a funny thing to think about. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, Monsters University. If you're still uh, quarantining and looking for fun stuff to watch and want something on Disney Plus and haven't watched these, I I highly recommend it. As you can kind of kind of hear from our Joe and I's discussion, even if um, you're not typically someone that's like watching animated kids stuff and animated stuff for the things the kids are in it for these movies have plenty of other things going for them that um that are probably even more aimed towards adults so i think there's plenty of reason to check these out uh joe before we uh, wrap up is there anything else that you've been watching recently any quarantine streaming recommendations you want to make to the people out there yeah you know i've recently started watching kim's convenience on netflix hmm. um it's a sitcom about this uh, Korean family who lives in Toronto and they run a convenience store and it is hysterical. It's just such a funny show. I really enjoy it and I'm currently blazing through it right now. And it's just very funny. So gotcha. Okay. Very sweet. It's a very sweet show too. So I'll say since the last time I was on the podcast, I watched groundhog day. I kind of did it in anticipation. I'd seen it before, but it had been a very long time, and I wanted to do it in anticipation of Palm Springs coming out this weekend, just because I know the, the movie shares some DNA, and uh, you know it's about a kind of a repeating day type thing. And it's Groundhog Day is really, really good. I mean, there, I, there's like a point at the movie where like you think it's headed towards one thing in the middle, and it's like, oh, don't do this, and then the movie like turns out to be like way smarter than that, and it's like a really strong story and takes the Bill Murray character on a really cool journey, and I and it's really funny and a lot of fun, fun away they find it's not it's not even two hours but they find a lot of space to do fun digressions and throwaway jokes and it's hilarious and i highly recommend groundhog day so uh i love ground anything else you want to plug joe um you know just wear a mask be smart um stay safe i second that uh and stay inside and watch stuff don't go out to bars i know people go into bars don't go to bars uh there's so so much to watch yeah don't go to bars ever no, I mean, I, I like just, bars, but I don't need to go there that badly. You can, I, you can even <laughs> just eat outside at a restaurant with, like, one person, and that, even that's fine. But don't go to a bar where you're just going to be rubbing up against someone, you know? Uh, but mostly just stay inside and watch stuff. There's so much stuff to watch. Everyone keeps thinking I'm going crazy because I, I can't go to the movies. It's going on four months since I saw uh, uh, The Hunt, I guess. That's the last ever movie I'm going to yeah. see in a theater. But I'm finding tons of stuff to watch. There's tons of stuff on HBO Max. There's tons of stuff on Netflix. You can just do that. So great note to end on, everyone. Be safe. Coming up next week, we're going to have an episode on Palm Springs, like I mentioned earlier, and I have plenty of stuff coming for you after that. Joe, if the quarantine goes on long enough, Joe will be back at some time to talk about the Cars movies with me, I guess. I I, I don't really want to watch them, but it's like... If the if the theaters the Cars th- trilogy. Oh my Josh. god. It's, and I, I, the, I the, I've now seen every Netflix movie or no, excuse me. I've now seen every uh Pixar movie besides the three Cars movies. I haven't seen any of them. So I'm like I was hoping we would be back in theaters in like April and then I could, or and excuse me. I was hoping we'd be back in theaters in August and then I could just go back to talking about new movies, but if the theaters keep having to push back the reopenings and we're still here needing to talk about old stuff in September and October, I'm going to have to watch the Cars movies. I don't want to watch the Cars movies. Movies. I'd be kind of funny just to always say I've seen every Pixar movie besides the Cars movies, but if like I run out of other stuff I got planned, I'm gonna have to watch the Cars movies. So Joe might be back to talk about that or something else. Um, hopefully Joe's talking about some kind of Oscar movie with me instead, but who knows? You might <laughs> next time he's here, it might be for Cars. So everyone, stay tuned for that. Thanks to Joe for joining me, and we'll see you next time.